The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As we constantly move forward, there's a continuing and urgent need for higher education. It's necessary for tomorrow's future and for a dynamically changing workforce. As the need for education is changing, so is education itself. Welcome to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education with your host, Dave Goldberg. In this program, we'll discuss the complex changes that are being made to higher education today, and we'll help you stay ahead of tomorrow. If you're a student, educator, or in the workforce. Now, here's Dave Goldberg. Good day, and welcome to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. I'm Dave Goldberg. I'm your show host, and Big Beacon is a movement to transform higher education at bigbeacon.org. In every episode, we explore some of the innovators and innovations that are changing the world of higher education all around us, and you can follow uh, live tweeting of the show at hashtag Big Beacon Radio. And, and today, we're fortunate to have the uh, new founding head of the Department of Engineering Education at Ohio State University with us, uh, Monica Cox. Welcome to the show, Monica. Thanks so much, Dave. It's great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Well, we're glad to have you, and we're glad to learn about new stuff that's going on in engineering education especially. And uh, we'll dive into that in a minute. But before we do that, uh, Monica, you're, you're a professor. You've been a researcher. You're founding department chair for Ohio State's uh, Engineering Education Department. But... Before we get into all that, let's let's hop in the go back in the time machine in the log cabin and and uh, what were some of the early influences that uh, that put you on on your current path back in the day? Yes, well, family and um, mentors um, have always been very instrumental to me, and I think coming from a family of educators, particularly um, elementary educators introduced me to education early on, and I learned about um, everything from um, geography to uh, mathematics, and and I knew that I wanted to be an engineer because of um, the the books that I read and the exposure that I had early on. So my mom and dad as educators influenced me. Um, Another influence was um, the mentors that I had um, at Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, that is a small liberal arts school, and I met um, women mathematicians and people who are interested in engineering, and their um, enthusiasm for STEM education encouraged me as well. Yeah, nice. And you said in there, I was it was interesting to hear you say that you knew you wanted to be an engineer. How how early did you know that, and and uh, who? Who was that? Was there a primary influence? Who was the influence, uh, or what was the influence that sort of had you knowing that at at an early age? Um, so I knew that I wanted to be an engineer when I was in high school. Um, I attended several camps, and um, the person who 
told me, though, that I could be an engineer, and I, and I began to believe it, was a woman named Dr. Etta Faulkner. Um, she was about the 12th um, African-American woman to earn a Ph.D. in mathematics. And she pulled me into her office one day, and, and we had an opportunity to discuss mathematics and my progress in math. Um, and she told me about fellowship opportunities that were available. And because of her mentorship, um, I realized that I could go on to study engineering um, in graduate school. And from there, I just pursued my curiosity for um, making things more efficient and being productive. And I went on to become an industrial engineer. Beautiful. Yeah. And and I, I love that story. And thanks for sharing it. And in uh, the book that Mark Somerville and I wrote, uh, A Whole New Engineer, we talk about unleashing experiences as central. And I, I may have just heard one of your unleashing experiences with your mentor. But what what uh, you've, you've kind of gone your own way and done your own thing and, and uh, in, in a uh, in a courageous sort, sort of way. What powerful unleashing experiences uh, helped you gain the courage to go your own way? Um, I think that I've had both positive and negative experiences that mm. have helped me to unleash the experiences. So I think I've had wonderful mentors um, who looked like me and didn't look like me, but these were people who love learning, and because of that, I gravitated to them, and I wanted to have that passion for what I pursue, too. Um, when I look at, however, the negative experiences, I think that I recall sitting in classrooms and wondering why I was the only woman or wondering why I was the only African-American in the yeah. classroom. And those questions started burning more in me than mm. some of the technical questions that that I was working on. And because I face this every day, those are the things that propelled me to another level, um, particularly wanting to make sure that other people didn't feel isolated in engineering classrooms and they didn't lose their confidence just because they were the only person or they were different to other people within those environments. Now, that's so interesting, and and uh, the the calling out of uh, negative experiences like that as unleashing is is uh, interesting. Oftentimes, we have the the more positive side where there's a, a a role model, and you as you called out earlier, but the idea that sort of overcoming or um, um, explicitly uh, you know stepping into an obstacle like that is unleashing too is is. Uh, bit of a twist uh, for, for the show, a nice twist. And so yeah. um, one of the reasons that we, you know, we reconnected uh, when I, when I learned that, uh, that you had become, uh, that you were named the, the first head of the of OSU's uh, new Department of Engineering Education. And um, of course, Purdue, I think, had the first dedicated School of Engineering Education uh, started back in 2004. And you joined that faculty in 2005, if I'm, if I'm correct. Yes, I did. Yeah. It was an exciting yeah. time. Yeah, and so, you know, so tell us, you know, so you were there almost from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about the evolution of that department from when you joined it until you uh, left last fall. Yes. So I joined Purdue um, when I graduated with my Ph.D. in um, higher education, really leadership and policy studies, because at the time there was no formal program in engineering education. But I was very attracted to the program because the research that I'd done as a doctoral student connected closely with the, the research um, that people wanted to do within the, the emerging field. So when I came, 
um, we were connected to the first year engineering program, and we wanted to create a discipline um, that would focus on engineering education research. So joining that was very exciting because we had an opportunity to develop new courses, to hire new faculty, to recruit students who wondered at the time if they would be able to really get jobs in this field. And over time, I've seen how we've... Um, We've gotten accolades within the engineering education community. We've been recognized, I think, um, among traditional engineering disciplines. And I see how um, we are forming new programs, such as the one that you mentioned here at The Ohio State University. So it's been wonderful to go through that cycle, but I think that I'm entering this new phase, and I'm even more excited about what can potentially happen with this new department also. Yeah, and in in the next seg in the second segment, I want to explore the your aspirations at at Ohio State, but I want to kind of stick with uh, this whole evolution of this movement towards engineering education a little bit in this segment. And mm-hmm. and uh, so, what were um, so you were at Purdue from the beginning, and and what were some of the the key learnings or takeaways from from your time there? Uh, about uh, what works and what doesn't work uh, in a Department of Engineering Education? Yeah, so that's a really good question, and I think it's one that we don't talk about as much within our community. So if I were to talk about some things that that work, um, I think that it's really important to identify people who have a background in um, some form of engineering, but they also have expertise in other disciplines, such as sociology or, or psychology um, or, or education. Um, I think that that brings a very interesting dynamic um, within an emerging department, and it offers an opportunity for us to, to move forward in a, in a really nice way. Um, some other positive things that I saw um, were having students who were open to exploring engineering education or learning um, about what engineering education was and what it could be. So I think having innovative individuals who wanted to be future leaders in the discipline um, was something that that helped to propel the discipline as well. Um, Another thing was um, having wonderful support from federal agencies and also from administration at the the university, um, particularly at at Purdue where I was, was very um, instrumental because those are the people who um, confirm that this is a legitimate field and that we want to support the the discipline or the department with resources. So these are resources to hire faculty, resources to support, um, to to build and to enhance the infrastructure. Like those are, are wonderful commitments. So those are the key things that um, I think that I learned from a positive perspective. Um, Some of the other things, though, that I think that we still have to work on and and the lessons that I learned are that you still need to know how to speak to people outside of engineering education. Um, There is a a formal connection that you need to make to to practicing engineers and also to people who are in the engineering department Um, because there's skepticism about engineering education. Many people think that it's just a teaching discipline or people want to say, um, you know, this is, you're here to serve us, but many individuals don't understand the research aspect of engineering education. And so I think um, having conversations early 
as in the, in the formation of a department um, would be really helpful. But I think that's something that we continue to need to do within the discipline. Another thing that I see um, that we need to do, um, and lesson a lesson that I learned, is that we need to connect to people outside of engineering because. Um, people in other disciplines, when I think about communications or um, people in business, are doing amazing work. And I think that we need to learn about topics such as branding and um, we need to connect to social media to disseminate what we do in engineering education, um, our research, and, and the people who are the game changers. We need to communicate this in new ways. And so thinking out of the box is a lesson that I learned, too, because I think it's so easy to become very traditional and to, to do the same things that other traditional departments do as well. Yeah, and it's interesting to hear you use the word traditional in terms of engineering education departments when there weren't any uh, as as uh, you know a little over a decade ago, and now we've got some, and now we're talking about traditional engineering education departments. Mm. It's, it, it's, it's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, so... Um, there are other engineering education departments. I, I don't know if I can name them all. Virginia Tech has one. What Utah State has one. Um, how many? How many of them? How many of these beasts are there out there? Wow, um, there are so many that are emerging. So when I think about the ones that people mostly associate with with departments, um, yep. people think about Purdue, Virginia Tech, um, Clemson, Utah yep. State. Yep. Um, also, Cincinnati ha- is, has a Department of Engineering Education. Um, Michigan is new. There are also a lot of STEM education um, programs when you think about um, Tufts, for example. Um, I know Texas A&M has a center. And so there are so many variations. You know, so are we talking about the full-fledged department? You know, are we discussing the center, which has faculty? Are we talking about a place like the University of Georgia, which has faculty, and one who most recently earned a presidential award? You know, what does this look like? And I think that's also something that's really interesting within engineering engineering education to kind of think about the various models and how we are identifying these engineering um, units. Yeah, and I'm... Yeah, no, and that's uh, it's interesting that this is this phenomenon is taking place, and it seems to be taking place inside of it. I mean, you don't hear, uh, I guess, uh, physics departments have had concentrations on teaching and learning for a long time, and and uh, strong um, strong movement towards improved uh, pedagogy and things like that. But but not you, we don't see uh, departments of. Uh, physics education, for example. And so it's an interesting phenomenon sociologically that engineering uh, feels the need for this. What, what, why is this, in your opinion, and it's, it, there's, there's, no, there's, no, there's probably no real definitive answer to this, but why is this phenomenon taking place? So, and, and, and why are engineering colleges doing this as opposed to liberal ed schools or other kinds of units? Yeah, well, one of the initial conversations that I remembered having with our inaugural department chair at um, Purdue University, um, Dr. Kamiar Hagigi, yeah. was um, really the conversation about bringing people together more formally within units so that they could do this type of research and um, have this research be recognized as something that could advance um, the field. So I, I think 
and I do remember this so vividly now, you know, there are people who were wondering, like, if this was a good idea, because some people are doing really great work in centers, particularly large-scale centers, and people want to know, what would it be like when you get the person who is the um, premier researcher in engineering education at this center with another person who is that um, individual at another center, like when you put all of these people together, can they play well together and can they produce, can they advance the field? So I think um, that is is the intention of, of many of these units um, and, you know, whether that is going to be successful, I think that's, that's up to people who, um, it, it varies depending on who you ask. But when I think about this being housed in the College of Engineering um, versus maybe more in um, like a, a liberal arts um, sure. location. I'm yeah. thinking that this, that many of the people who do this work are engineers at heart. Um, many of them have practiced and they entered engineering because there was something about the problem solving, design, and analytical aspect of engineering that was very fascinating. And I think they have been the champions for this this discipline, and they want to somehow connect back to those practicing engineers and to the people who are in the, the engineering disciplines. And I think they have they've carried this mantle um, more so than maybe someone in liberal arts who would say, like maybe the the foundation would be sociology. And yes, we we work in the context of engineering, but having engineering at its heart and really holding onto that as a way to um, communicate back with our profession. I think that's something that that makes um, engineering want to embrace engineering education. Yeah, that connection to practice is, I think, one that we want to explore, if not in the next segment, in the final segment when we talk about transforming engineering education in, in, in practice and what that means for both uh, education and practice. Um, let's let's take a little bit, a bit of a break, and 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 uh, uh, this is Big Beacon Radio with our special guest Monica Cox. And in the next section, we want to next segment we want to talk about um, the ways in which Ohio State University's engineering education department aspires to be different. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of Three Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3 Joy website www.3joy.com today. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call one 866 472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to Big Beacon Radio. Uh, get your copy of the book that is Transforming Higher Education, A Whole New Engineer, The Coming Revolution in Engineering Education at wholenewengineer.org. And before the break, we were talking with Monica Cox, the recently named head uh, chair of uh, the Department of Engineering Education at Ohio State University. And, and we were talking about some of the, the emerging phenomena of engineering education departments. And in this segment, we want to talk a little bit more about Ohio State uh, um, in particular. So uh, you were tapped as the founding department chair at Ohio State University's new engineering education department. Uh, when um, when you got the call, how did that feel? Oh, I was extremely excited um, because I think so. I had to change my thinking in a weird way because um, I was an associate professor at the time, and I always thought that it would be a risk, I guess, for someone to maybe hire me. If I'm being completely honest. Um, because I thought I'm relatively young, I'm a black woman, I'm a female, you know, I'm not really sure if people are ready for that. And I'm very outspoken for people who know me too. And I was very happy to be selected. And I'm, and I'm, I was excited because I do think that they looked at my body of work, but they also understood that I was bringing in, um, you know, my, my personality and everything else that came along with it. And so I was very happy that, that the investment was made in me as a future leader, leader for this um, department. Yeah, and so I'm hearing that, you know, so the feeling was uh, it was mixed. I am hearing that there was some almost uh, trepidation about it, but uh, that over time you thought about it and and uh, and thinking in terms of it. And then when you thought in terms of it, so instead of feeling what what um, what did you view as the um, as the as the op, you know you interview you know sometimes you go through these interview processes and it's it could actually be a bit of a um, a uh, you know running a gauntlet uh, you know so you went through this whole process you 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 got the offer what were you thinking the uh, the big opportunities were wow um, I think I was so excited about um, OSU because. I saw this as a place with amazing resources that's loaded and it's located in um, a phenomenal city, um, Columbus, Ohio. And it's very different from what I've seen um, with many traditional departments and kind of their locations. Um, so I think that 
given that we have a really um, strong college of education, um, business, a medical center, and we're in the heart of state government, I think the opportunities to expand engineering education are amazing, um, even within the city. Um, Another aspect is that we have an airport close by, and so if we wanted to, um, you know, connect to people um, outside of of the community, it's very easy to travel to um, to others. And um, I think that given just the infrastructure here um, with other engineering disciplines and um, the city, engineering education can expand in new ways and identify new partners um, that we haven't really seen before within um, our field. Yeah. Nice. And and so um, – and, and thinking back in the Purdue experience uh, – so ENE uh, engineering education at Purdue wasn't started from a blank sheet, as you mentioned. It started from the f- the first year program. What what were the precursors that were assembled to uh, to put together the the basics uh, the basics of a department um, at Ohio State? Yes, well, very similar to Purdue, um, Ohio State is a place that um, has all of the first year students concentrated in a single location. So there was not a formal department at the time, but we had an Engineering Education Innovation Center, also known as the EERC, which was the the place where many of the um, the, the faculty here um, worked and taught all of the students. So there was a lot of um, budding research that was happening, but there was a lot of conversation about moving toward the formalization of this this um, this center to become a department. So that occurred under the leadership of Dr. Bob um, Gustafson. So it's been a wonderful um, legacy. Um, looking back at connections with other universities um, that were funded um, through some coalitions as well, and kind of seeing it become the EIC, and now transitioning into a department that is one of um, numerous units within the College of Engineering is. A wonderful accomplishment, and I think we have um, a lot of potential to expand that, but do more research that is maybe different from what's occurring within the current field as well. Yeah, and I actually, uh, you mentioned uh, Bob Gustafson, and uh, I often tell the story. And I found, you know, I remember seeing Bob at a meeting. I don't remember the meeting now, but talking to him about the first year program at 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 Ohio State and him telling me about the two and a half million dollars that the administration had plunked down to help create the program. And I think back to the hundred thousand dollars that we got to do iFoundry at right. Illinois uh, with, uh, with, well, actually that's a good news and bad news story. We did some interesting things at Illinois because we were given so, so little, little money. And so sometimes money isn't actually the solution. It can be part of the, part of the problem. But no, I think that you start from an, a really, uh, an innovative base and, and, um, um, that, that, that's an important thing now. So what was it that, you know, so was it this trajectory of the success of those first year programs in the innovation center that, that, uh, led in the direction of uh, an engineering education department? What was the, what was the administrative rationale for moving in the direction of a formal department at OSU? Right. Um, I think that, of course, the success of the EEIC and its commitment to innovation was a definite um, plus when it came to wanting to create a department, but the message that 
I've heard and, and what I continue to hear from our dean, um, David Williams, is that the department is one that would offer an opportunity to connect to the other departments um, within engineering. Um, so trying to take the things that we know, our best practices and our innovation, and and disseminating that to other disciplines is something that was very attractive to the administration here, along with some of the larger things that are occurring at the university um, in terms of, um, like, research centers and the development of um, a large-scale university-led um, teaching institute. I think it all kind of came together at the same time so that it just made sense for the Department of Engineering Education to become a formal unit within the College of Engineering. Yeah, that's so. It's interesting how sometimes it just things uh, aggregate and just at some point makes sense to make a make a move like that. So, so given your and you talked before about some of the positive and, and negative takeaways from your experience uh, in at Purdue. Um, in in what in what ways are your aspirations for Ohio State uh, similar to those that that Purdue's accomplished? And in what ways are they are they different? So I think that Purdue has a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful reputation um, in research and also um, just uh, just a, a reputation within the larger community um, for many of its faculty and the work that they do. And, and I really respect um, the people who are there and are building those, those research enterprises. Um, I think that just in a, a general exploration that I've done, of um, not just Purdue, but of other programs, um, many of its graduates um, and many of the graduates in engineering education are going into higher education positions um, similar to, um, I guess, what you would expect when you think about education. Um, but something that I want to focus on, and it's an initiative that I, that I started a little bit at Purdue, was looking at ways to connect with people outside of higher education. So looking at um, ways to prepare students for careers not only in academia but in industry, and I think that at our university we have an opportunity to identify new tracks and new ways to attract individuals to our program, whether it's um, from a faculty perspective or an instructor perspective, to people who want to obtain degrees within engineering education. So, you know, some of the big questions that I have are, who are we missing? Um, who doesn't have an opportunity to earn a degree in engineering education but would like to have that opportunity? And how do, how do we provide um, instruction mentorship and, and opportunities to them in ways that we're currently not doing. So um, it's not that everything was negative in the field. I just think that we need to think a little bit more out of the box as we try to develop new programs. And every day I am trying to get ideas, not just from what we've done, but I'm trying to look at what other disciplines are doing. And I'm learning from 
um, the media. I'm learning from people like you who are doing podcasts and are engaging to individuals who may never come to a university. Um, and I think that's where we need to go in engineering education. And I'm trying to be that change agent who can um, help our faculty, of course, to meet traditional promotion and tenure requirements, but also encourage us to be a game changer in engineering education and bring in money in a different way and have different conversations about engineering education. Yeah, so I, I think that's that's so interesting. I, one of the is is as I've been done this as I left the university and done this work out in the field. Uh, the you know writing a book about engineering education by itself has a small market, but one of the things that's been interesting is a number of people in industry who've picked up on the themes of a whole new engineer. And so I wonder, as you were as you were talking, I was wondering about the. Um, and I also had the experience when I was at Illinois. I was in a unit that was about um, that offered uh, master's degrees, uh, essentially in human resources. Uh, I had a part-time uh, appointment in this in unit, and I I taught a course on on um, on trying to understanding engineers was the name of the course, and I taught it to human resource people. But it seems to me that one of the you know, one of the the connections here beyond engineering education is out out in the world. In human resources, I mean, you think about many of our largest companies; they're highly technological, and they hire, uh, you know, uh, gazillion engineers, and and um, and and they're the and the the care and feeding and development of these engineers is in is in the in largely in the hands of these uh, HR departments. I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Right. I think that there's a wonderful opportunity for engineering education to inform um, training and development because if you think about it, um, there's such a development such a developmental piece there. Um, it's very sociological. It's very psychological. Um, and I think those are some of the things that we learn, some of the theories that we embrace within engineering education. Um, I also think that we need to take all this amazing work that's doing that's being done in engineering education you know, from a research perspective, and think about how to translate that to practice and even looking at what's going on in practice and thinking, well, how do I connect that back to research? And so there's a cycle that needs to occur, and I think that's something that should happen within engineering education, um, even within the, the graduate programs. Um, it's not just enough to write a wonderful journal article in the top-tier um, journal. I think that it's, it's a great experience, and it's something that students need to know how to do, but they need to be able to take portions of that, you know, their discussions, their limitations, um, the results, and think, well, who cares about this? And as I say in classrooms all the time, um, so what? Who cares about this besides the, you know, 10 people who are reading this article? You need to know how to communicate with people who are in the academy, but also people who are um, in the, the, the factories um, who, are, who are outside of the academy. Yeah, and I, I think that's – and I want to take up this whole question of research and its role and, and uh, the degree to which it's been actually – made a difference or not and i and i think you know that i'm that we've had this conversation before one-on-one of my concerns about um, departments of engineering education being excuses to continue doing research without actually bringing about any kind of change and i don't think that's that is 
in any way, shape, or form what you're hoping to bring to Ohio State. But it, you know, you can you can get paralysis or analysis, and it seems to me that we do know how to um, we know how to do better than 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 we're doing. But but you but you've been in your new role since uh, December last uh, 2015. Uh, what uh, what are some of the first things that that you've uh, done out of the shoot? Yes, well, our department is a little bit different in that we have. Um, multiple roles within our department. So whenever you think about faculty, you usually think about tenure-track faculty. But we have tenure-track faculty, clinical, and also lecturers. And one thing that has to occur from a cultural perspective is having honest conversations about what it means to be a faculty, like what the resp- what the expectations are from the department or from the university, but also what are the expectations of the individuals who are working within the unit. And I think um, going from a center model to a department model has also been interesting because we've had to talk about what it means to um, – what governance means. Um, so how do we um, – create policies that that help us to move forward um, and who do we want to be. So we've gotten to know each other um, and gotten to understand um, more about my leadership style and my expectations and a lot of the things that I'm talking about today, like what is the vision that I have for us as now an engineering education department. But we're moving forward with strategic planning. So it's very similar to, to what I've said before. It's taking the old, it's putting together the new, it's thinking about how to engage multiple stakeholders. And so relationship building um, and exploration of the culture, um, you know, just really trying to um, see where we are situated in engineering education and thinking about where we want to be in engineering education and outside of engineering education is something that has happened within these first few months. And uh, just uh, we have 30 seconds till the break, but just uh, quickly, what uh, what are some some of the key and key moves? And we can elaborate on this more if you need it um, mm-hmm. that you see coming up over the next year or two. Oh yes, um, partnerships. So, just one. We have a visit even next week with someone who's interested in doing something new in engineering education, and there is um, a foundation that wants to put money into programs that are willing to do things differently, who are willing to look at um, entrepreneurship and, and new models for engineering education. So, I think that's something that we want to explore. Great. So we'll uh, and we'll continue this conversation and talk about actually how do we get to real transformation. Uh, this is Big Beacon Radio with special guest Monica Cox. In the next segment, we want to talk about uh, uh, engineering education departments on the one hand and real transformation on the other. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of 3Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website 
www.3joy.com today. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call one 866 472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back to Big Beacon Radio. Get the coaching, deep faculty development, and training you need to transform higher education at your institution at 3joy.com. And uh, we've been talking with uh, Monica Cox, the recently named uh, chair of the new Department of Engineering Education at Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. And we were in the last segment, we were talking about the formation of that new unit and where it came from and what the aspirations uh, are for it. And in this unit, in this segment, we want to talk a little bit about sort of engineering education departments and their role um, in engineering education transformation. Now, this, this show grows out of a concern for engineering education transformation. I left the university um, from the iFoundry experience to go out in the world and, and help uh, help departments and, and, well, actually to help colleges of engineering, faculties of engineering all over the world to change. And um, so it seems to me that implicit in the creation of departments of engineering education is the I- idea that engineering education needs to change or be different. If, if things were hunky-dory, why would we need departments of engineering education? Um, and uh, in, in your view, what are, what are, the, what are the strengths and, and weaknesses of engineering education today? Right. It's so funny that you actually say strengths and weaknesses because as you were speaking, I was thinking something that engineering education needs to do is to um, – conduct critical reflections of of what we're doing well and what we could do better. Um, I think that um, we often continue to move forward and and we do, um, you know, our work, um, we we continue at this, I think, pretty fast pace um, doing what we do, but I don't know if we take as much time to just... um, to stop and and have critical conversations about where we are not reaching the audiences that we need to reach and where we are not learning as much as we need to do or we're not communicating um, what we need to do. Um, another thing connected to that is is connected to communication. Um, I was just kind of laughing with someone today about a conference that we're going to at the end of the month. And I was saying, I've heard so many people say that they find out what colleagues are doing when they go to the conference. And 
you know, and not having those conversations just sometimes at the water cooler to say this is some really cool research that I've done or I have a, a question about um, this this new methodology and I just am not sure if it's connected to um, this problem in engineering education. And I think we need to have more spaces to show that we still need to learn and it's okay to not have all of the answers. Um, so... I welcome that, and, and I'm, I'm constantly thinking about what that looks like and how my department can help to become that place where we have wonderful um, conversations that help us to grow and to connect to people outside of our field. Yeah, but you, re- you raise a good point about the nature of academic business. Uh, sometimes people who are not professors think, oh, the, it must be great. You know, people in industry think this all the time, that, oh, it must be great to be a professor and sit around and have great thoughts and great intellectual conversations with your colleagues about this, that, or the other thing, the state of the world or some research artifact or whatever. And, but the fact of the matter is that engineering, like other engineering education, education, higher education is careerist is as much as a a career in industry is. And, and we basically, uh, I used to joke that engineering, uh, that, 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 uh, Writing, being a scholar uh, was sort of a write, uh, write once, uh, read never kind of activity. You 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 write your stuff, or or you read for citations, um, mm-hmm. but you write your stuff, and you just and then you write your next paper, and you write your next paper, and you write your next proposal, and and this idea that some somewhere that there is space for reflection is uh, is an ideal that we never seem to be able to. You know, really, we we don't actually engage in. Okay, well, what do we what do we know now? What can we do differently? Uh, all that often, it seems to me. Yes, I agree. Yeah, and so um, so so in if so if you were to have this time to reflect, we so um, what if you were to list like uh, if you were to list one one thing that's really great about engineering education today, what would you say? Yeah. Um, well. I think that we have a wonderful um, professional society that is, I mean, it's been created to do some of the things that I've talked about before, to um, to be the place that houses our um, our journals, um, the, the well-known journals in the field, um, to bring together the individuals who want to talk about research. Um, so I think that we have the, the platform to do this. Um, but it's really up to us to do to take care of the activities and to to engage in things outside of the formal um, structure that has been established for us um, by, for example, the American Society for Engineering Education. Like, what is the the role of a department when it comes to that, and how do we somehow? see what works and share that information to other people to say this is how we're creating this community and now we want to expand this community from my department to another department and we want to be very inclusive so that everyone now is having conversations weekly or they're having conversations monthly and maybe it's led by this unit this month or next year we do something but you know really having that idea of community is something that I think um is there, but I'm not sure about the execution, and I think that we're still working on that. And and even when you think of grants, um, you know, I think that's the purpose that many people have. They want to have um, lasting communities because people know that is what's going to hopefully sustain 
um, the educational innovations is what's going to broaden participation. And I think we're still kind of working that out, and people recognize that we need to. Yeah, actually, I want to I want to take that on a little bit. I, I didn't have a question about it, but since you bring it up, I, I actually so I I, I I have some opinions that counter some of what you just. Said. I think I think okay. ASWE is broken. I think that actually all of our professional societies are broken in the in the same way that we need to reform engineering education as an enterprise. The societies, the professional societies, have kind of nineteen fifties values and structures that are sort of they're not aligned with a, the the Amazon, Google, um, Facebook world that we live in, and they're sort of um, even the idea of going that you have to go to New Orleans or some other place for a conference is is a bit old fashioned. I, I mean, I think I think it's a good thing to do every once in a while, but it's are we? Um, but that we kind of do run this gauntlet of uh, giving these papers that ten minute papers that. Uh, nobody then actually listens to or does anything from seems to me to to be broken and and if we were to start a new engineering education society or any society american society of civil engineers ieee i'm an equal i'm an equal opportunity uh, society basher right now that seems okay. to me that 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 all these societies are broken in the very same way that engineering education itself as an institution is broken and and i i expect that that's a fairly strong opinion, but I'm curious about your reaction to it. Yeah, um, it's interesting because as you were think, as you were talking about it, I'm thinking, you know, that's kind of what we know. You yeah. know, um, you know, we can kind of say like, oh, we want to be like some of the more, <clears throat> excuse me, innovative places, but um, you know, the word that comes to me is risk. You know, risk taking, and yeah. so what happens if you do something completely different, you know, will you lose something within the profession? How does that, or would it impact the norms or what people consider the norms to be within the profession? And, um, you know, we, we, we are not risk, risk takers in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you look at many people, you know, people talk about millennials and um, just some of the new things that are, that are out there, it will be interesting to see if People will be bold enough to say, we want to do this in a different way because we think that it's going to reach more people or we communicate differently, or are we going to continue to say, well, this is the tradition, this is how we yeah. do it, and to be accepted, we have to do it this way. And I think that's the struggle. Like, whenever you are in higher education, you are expected to play by the rules. You know, that part of that paycheck, part of, uh, you yeah. know, that that base salary comes from playing the rules, and that's how you get raises, and that's how you keep your house. And, you know, that's a that's a really traditional mentality. And, you know, sometimes I struggle a little bit because I am an entrepreneur. I'm starting, I started my business, and I yep. see those worlds, the risk-taking where it's like you're all in versus higher education. It's like you have to conform sometimes. These are yeah. the rules. This is your boss. Yeah. Do what you're told. No, it, yeah, and you raise a great point, and, and, and a lot of, I heard a lot of the language that you were just using, and you use support language like norms, and you have to do mm-hmm. these things and conform. We're talking, really, at root, we're talking about culture, and essentially, a whole new engineer was a critique of cult. It was an emotional, um, cultural critique of not engineering education departments, but engineering education, the enterprise. Uh, mm-hmm. The whole thing, the whole shoot and match is sort of um, in this in this place that that uh, isn't serving um, isn't serving gender isn't serving uh, 
racial diversity. It's not serving a lot of things. And so, and to get something, to get some different result, we sort of have to move culturally. And that, but that, as you say, that movement culturally is a, it's a hard thing to bring about because people, people fear, you know, the, the, Mm -hmm. as you say, the risk, the, the risk brings about, um, Fear is another thing you said that sort of tickled me and tickled one of my soapboxes was um, this whole notion of funding. And it seems mm-hmm. to me that a lot of the motive for creating departments of engineering education was a motive to um, to tap into these funding sources. But it, the the research and motivational theory is clear: if you reward if you reward behaviors, basically all you teach if if the behaviors are complex at all, if they're creative. All you teach people is to not do the thing unless it's rewarded. And isn't that the situation that we're in in engineering education, that we've got NSF and people seem not to be able to take any portion of a, of a budget, a local budget, or very small portion of a local budget to invest in continued innovation unless somehow they get a grant from the National Science Foundation? Wow, right. You have brought up a really true point, um, and it's true. Much of the engineering education work is funded through the National Science Foundation, and one of the things that I'm, I'm concerned about is, you know, as the departments um, expand and as people who are currently in the field continue to, to pursue funding and as, as new people who aren't in formal departments look at funding, like we're kind of pulling from the same place. Yep. and. I realized that we have to create a new um, a new model, so to speak. And, and one of the things that I say all the time is, you know, don't play the game, change the game. And that's what we're going to have to do. And, yes, that's scary. Um, you know, we have to think differently. And, I, and that comes back to an issue of leadership, which is a completely different topic. But I was discussing this with one of my faculty today, that we need to focus on development of leaders within engineering education also. We have a lot of good researchers. I think we have a lot of good teachers, but we need to formally identify people who are those risk takers, the ones who say, we're going to totally turn this over and we are going to make this kind of like Amazon. We're not doing business as usual. You know, I have um, the support from someone who's, who's hired me to yeah to do something different, and I am going to be that person to do it. And I think one thing that made me realize that um, this is possible is, you know, when I think about entrepreneurship, one of the reasons that I wanted to be an entrepreneur is because I wanted to walk away if I ever needed to, and it's not that I'm going to quit my job, but I realized that there is freedom in starting something on your own and saying, I'm going to hold true to my values, and I don't want an agency or I don't want someone to to make me go against my beliefs or mm. to become a different person um, who I'm not. And that is what I said when I came to um, Ohio State, too. You know, I'm active on social media. I have a blog, and I talk yes. about everything, and I showed that to them before I um, came here, and I said, I'm going Just to be vocal about what I need to do. Um, I did another podcast, left. and the provost retweeted my pro- my podcast. So I'm sure this Great. is going to get retweeted by someone, too. So yeah. understanding that is, is important. Maybe I went off a little bit, Dave. No, 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 that's felt- great. And, and we just have a few. We have a few seconds left. I want to give you a moment. So, if people want to find out more about your work or about the work of Engineering Education Department at Ohio State, how to what uh, URLs or email addresses can they refer to to find out more? 
the, uh, right. So um, if you want to look at the Ohio State's website, go to EED, um, as in Engineering Education Department, dot O-S-U dot E-D-U. Um, if you'd like to know more about me, you can go to my research website at I, the number two, E, um, to the number two again, a dot org. So I two e two a dot org, and I have my own blog. Prepare to be a pioneer. That's a story for another day, but um, it kind of addresses some of the things that are here, right. and it just talks about my experiences too. And on Twitter, uh, at Monica F Cox. Dot, I mean, at Monica F Cox. Yes. Great. Monica, thanks so much for being with us. You've been listening to Big Beacon Radio, Transforming Higher Education. Special guest to our guest, Monica Cox from Ohio State University. Help transform higher education. Join the movement to unleash a new generation of innovators by learning more at bigbeacon.org. Join us next week, same time, same channel, as we continue our quest to transform higher education. Thank you for tuning in to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Please join Dave Goldberg soon for another edition. Listen every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For additional information about our programs or to find out about the next show, please visit bigbeacon.org. We'll talk again very soon. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.